If you follow the crowd, you will likely get no further than the crowd. If you walk alone, you'll likely be in a place no one has ever been before. And I think that's the magic of combining lots of different experiences at this age and building out that T-shape, layering lots of different experiences onto one and the other, not taking that linear ladder. And I think really it's just, hey, startups are a great place to do that. I would like this podcast to be the episode where you go, fuck it. I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. Let's like give this a go. Now's the time to do it. Welcome to Startup Jobs, a podcast where we explore all the different jobs in a tech startup. What exactly are they and what have we learned from scaling teams from the inside? While most startup content focuses on the founder or investor or specific area like marketing, this show is about accelerating your personal and career growth journey in whatever startup job is best for you. Yeah, exactly, Kai. Like This show is about you. We want you to be the very best that you can be. This is our first remote app since, uh, it is. I think, Bali. Um, and that one doesn't really count because your connection was shit and you weren't really on the call. So this no. really is our first remote. It'll be interesting to see whether the dynamic is different and why are we remote, Kai? Well, we are remote because I am now in Sydney and I'm mm, uh, permanently relocated. Thank you, Mike. It's um, it's a really cool place to be. I know it's you've know, spent a lot of time here early in your career and um Perth's a wonderful place to grow up and and be a part of a family and and all that kind of stuff but um the magic of Sydney is is right at this point um and it it kind of segues nicely I guess into what we're talking about today which is uh taking risks at a young age um in your career in life um and uh it's 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 something I'm particularly passionate about um I'm going to start just by asking you Mike what is your risk tolerance as a person? Um, let's let's start there. What do you think your risk tolerance is just even outside this conversation? From what perspective? Any perspective. <laughs> if you had to if you had to sort of summarize your you know your spending of money, your taking of opportunities, your you know physical risk tolerance, I, I don't know. What, what, where would you mm. sort of place yourself? Some elements definitely go down as you get older, right? So like now that I'm past 40s and three kids and what have you, there's certain things that like I, don't, I just wouldn't do now that I wouldn't have thought twice about in my 20s, you know, whether that's going skydiving or um, taking on sort of contact sport as a, as a hobby. It's just like, you, you know, an injury in your 40s. You're not going to bounce back from like you are in your 20s. Um, so that, that's like one, one skew. I think on sort of financial elements um i'm probably higher than your your average bear um relative to age and and probably like quite high um but think of it as a like how how big could the upside potentially be and sure it's risky but is there a is there a sort of stop loss that i can put on this thing so like given an example like hey if i've got pretty high conviction this thing i'll just use some round numbers you know could go up 20%, 15%, 20%, 15%, maybe shit, it's got a shot at 50, 60% in a year or two, but I can put a stop loss at negative 5, 10%. Well, that's something that I'm quite happy to roll the dice on because I'm not, not going to 
lose sleep over, you know, losing a little bit, but you're probably not going to do this thing of like, you know, hey, can I, you know, 5X, 10X this thing, you know, in the next year or two, but then I might lose it, lose everything. Like I think you can kind of make those calls a lot earlier because, you know, the risk of losing, you know, isn't isn't as uh, severe um, in terms of knock-on effect, right? Like I've got to think about like family and house. So that's a, like in a sort of financial perspective. Um, I think in a business perspective and like how we make decisions, it's, it's probably somewhat similar. It's, you know, you're, you're really thinking about like how big, you know, could could the upside be and, and you know, is there a way of putting a, a stop loss uh, on this? Um, and sort of I, I like this concept of like thinking in bets where you're sort of thinking in probabilities and so sort of almost view it as like poker table type decisions. Um, and so, hey, there's a 70% chance I could win this hand. Um, we can kind of bet a bit bit harder but I mean nothing's like ever guaranteed it's only a, a probabilities where if it's like this 15% chance I've got to win this hand well I'm happy to bet bigger but then I've got to like get a I've got to be able to get a 10 x you know return on that because the probabilities are quite low so I think thinking in probabilities is, is a good way of thinking about it it makes makes sense I was, I was reflecting on I guess where I sit on that at the moment mm. um on that risk tolerance scale and I think I I'm actually like massively different. um mm-hmm. like I, I love love risk, it doesn't actually bother me that much. And I was reflecting on on why I'm okay with exposing myself to quite a lot of risk. Um, mm. And I actually think the answer is I'm not. Um, counterintuitively, the mm. things that I think are risky are actually not that risky. And I think I know that. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll explain that. But I think that's, that's going to be sort of a, an interesting topic today. Like how risky is making big bets, taking big, big jumps at, at 20? Mm. um at, at 23 you know what's mm. the the downside is it actually that risky um you know are you that risk tolerant or is there actually just less to lose less on the mm. table mm. um i'd love to just read a couple of lines from uh, a blog post um from a uh, great young mind um max marcioni mm. um he's got a, a a good post on his website how to design your career um and there's a little section there around um sort of the risk heuristic um and he sort of talks about risky jobs when you were younger um you know there's a positive correlation between risk and reward standard careers quote unquote consulting banking medicine have capped downside sure but they also have capped upside mm-hmm. however non-standard careers like startups investing content creation have unlimited upside however the downside's also larger and then it sort of brings us to that second point of like why do this when you're younger and it's really the maximum downside is bankruptcy, right? Like that's mm. the maximum worst situation, apart from maybe death. <laughs> but when you're 20, bankruptcy might cost you $1,000, <laughs> right? Maybe up to 100000 mm. max. When you're 40, it could be a million to 10 plus, Yeah, right? Um, you know, when you're 20 without kids, you can recover quickly. Um, and um, I think that's just a really nice, simple way of thinking about the magic of this age and certainly where I'm at and where a bunch of maybe our listeners are at. There's not a lot to lose. Mm. Um, so, Mike, I'd love to get your thoughts on <laughs> on that kind of way of thinking and, and maybe even going back to your 20s, a couple of stories and maybe where you've taken mm. risks um, and, and sort of how you thought about those at the time. Hmm, I'm always racing with a couple of um, tracks. Let me just sort of like share three things that come to mind and then I'll answer the question right. around like the story. Um, so, I've had a... A few interesting conversations over the last few weeks, just 
uh, we're doing some recruitment and then sort of chatting with people. And then I often find when I'm involved in the recruitment process, it um, often turns into like a little bit of career, like strategy and then sort of quasi career psychology conversation. Because what I like to do is I like to sort of zoom out and go, hey, like what's your dream work life look like in three to five years? How like what is your dream work like look like in 10 years like and, that, and that's fine if it's not a you know zip line our company but i'm trying to get a bit of a sense of like does this person want to you know start and run a um pub one day or you know is their their sort of dream scenario you know playing in a band or is it, you know do they want to be an entrepreneur or do they want to run a large sales team or a large product team or is their their dream in five years to get a job at google or whatever it may be and sort of working backwards from that i can sort of figure out okay like where, where are we a good fit? And then also like what are the right types of risks to think through and, and sort of how to think about, you know, putting you in the best chance of getting there. And I, I find a lot of the way that people think about um, that, A, they don't really take that approach. Um, they sort of start where they are now and think very linear, like, you know, up a ladder um, and then think if something doesn't look right in that next step of the ladder, it may get in the way of me getting there. So I think that's kind of like topic, you know, sort of point one that I think is worth exploring. Um, point two is... There's just so many examples and great stories um, where folks have done quite counterintuitive things. Um, where I mean, I'll give an example. AJ, who runs our um, demand gen right now, so you know, finding uh, new customers to chat to, um, you know, events, you know, marketing, um, new segments to potentially go after. Um, I mean, she's she's a weapon, you know, in terms of product messaging, you know, product marketing, um, that that kind of new exploratory conversations with customers. But her early career was in accounting, <laughs> right? Mm. Um, and now there's some things from that experience that still translate, you know, quite nicely. Or there's many other examples of folks that don't have this like perfect linear. It, when you actually look at it, they may, may see that they bounced around a bit. But what they've done is they've collected a bunch of... Um, experiences and competencies and skills and battle scars that all sort of um, come together quite nicely to be able to give them more impact in that particular role that they land up in rather than if they just stuck to that kind of linear lane like you know Steve Jobs even talked about the magic of you know humanities and tech you know and kind of the the benefit of sort of the art and the science coming together and it's actually something that you're seeing you know more broadly in a lot of um uh, industries is this sort of like you want to be very t-shaped you know so you want to be deep in one particular area as you get older but you actually want to be quite horizontal um, and so I think getting a lot of horizontal early on like is positive so that's sort of like point two um, point three is I suppose my you know story I think there's a couple of examples very very early where um, mentally it made no sense to make some of these decisions and um, could feel like oh, am I jumping out of a career path that could be quite good? So, and then the other decision was like, this is pretty risky if it doesn't doesn't work. So I maybe just kind of quickly share those two. Uh, so one was, uh, I would have been 20 and I had just, like I was finishing up my studying, my studies and um, I- What did you study, by the way? Um, I just did like the classic, kind of like marketing business stuff, but I actually didn't complete my degree because I started a side hustle where I was like building computers and like building networks for small businesses and local government. And then Great. that became so busy that I made that my full, full-time full day job. Um, 
and then actually like Annie, my girlfriend at the time, but wife now, she was like this, like, this is, this is like, you like, you know, cause it just, the entrepreneurial thing just bleeds into all like life. Right. And then all of a sudden I'm spending all day Saturday fucking like installing software and computers and <laughs> running out to places and fixing networks and doing tech support. And on a Saturday, she's just like, I just want like, <laughs> like I just wanted like a normal partner, like where you work Monday to Friday and like we can go out in an evening and you not be distracted and what have you. So she's like, can you just go get a normal job? And actually my first um, good normal job where I got promoted like relatively quickly actually was this um, computer store and the, the guys like built out five stores and then asked me to be the general manager. It was like, man, I'm like 20 mm. and I've got like um, 15 people reporting to me, like doing all sorts. And, and there was actually a really interesting, like I suppose mini career path, you know, there. Um, both within that company and then sort of like more broadly. And I think I was, well, six months in and um, we decided to like throw it all in and go live with my grandparents in Denmark and Europe for nine months and just like take up the small amount of savings that we had. And we wanted to do the whole like, let's let's not just go straight from early, you know, high school, early bits of uni, you know, early job and then kind of, you know, take that path. So th yeah, there's part of you that goes, oh my God, will I ever be able to get this good sort of early tech job again because um, I've really only done it for six months and I've actually been given a promotion that's way bigger than you know my 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 age and my my skill set at the time so that felt very um risky um mm. and it's interesting right because people think oh if I jump out of this thing and I go do something else that's different like in my scenario it was you know go on a on a, on a sort of extended leave and a holiday um you know in your scenario you may be like hey I want to being product i got like an early product thing okay now i'm doing like a customer thing what happens if i get stuck in this customer world for a year or two will it, like will this you know that that's it that's a year or two that i could be doing more product stuff like is that getting in the way of me wanting like a product career as an example right um yeah. and and like i would just say straight up that does not exist um like what you learn from yeah like being on that extended leave or doing that customer thing or i don't know going around like working, you know, on bars, backpacking, you know, across, uh, you know, Europe for a year, like you will learn a bunch of things that you wouldn't even know that you're going to value in the future of being able to connect like effortlessly and build rapport with anyone instantly, right? Like that is just like an insanely valuable life skill. Now you won't think it like, like that, right? You probably won't mm. sit down and plan it out going, okay, I'm going to be a broke person you know, uh, backpacker bar person and my strategy is to pick up all these skills and competencies, you know, for this like future thing. Um, but it all makes sense when you look back, you know, and you're kind of 30 and you're like, oh, actually me doing that thing actually didn't didn't harm harm me being in the way of like whatever that, yeah, whatever that career goal is, uh, bigger picture. So kind of playing that back, one of the maybe riskiest things you can do is actually not go down the kind of compounding career pathway yes the linear on. path yeah correct yeah because yeah, i'd actually say to... compounding is not the right word because all these other things compound in a way that you can't see and probably true, have true. greater value i'd call compounding it like a linear a ladder way. yeah yeah so not instead of going down that kind of doing this doing that you know with five ten year goal or this or that um it's actually being open to making sort of short-term stupid decisions that you know in some people's eyes or um you know sort of stopping the momentum in one direction if you mm. want to think about it like that um but being open to actually broadening out that t-shape 
um, at the top and 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 doing those things. Mm. Um, one thing I've been reflecting on is uh, surface area as 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 a concept, um, and we've talked about it in brief when we discussed actually, funnily enough, this move to Sydney um, a couple of months ago. Mm. Um, I think, and it was sort of about hey, how at this age, you know, I'm 19 and, and sort of in the 20s, like how how you can increase your exposure, right? Increase your luck Serendipity. based on just yeah, being in more rooms, being around more people, doing doing interesting things. Um, I think you know probably the decision I've made to leave home at 17 and move into an apartment and um, you know spend a lot of my money on 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 rent and, and living out of home and, and now moving to Sydney and doing that you know times one and a half. Um, I think it's all worth it if you're taking the longer view lens of surface area, serendipity, you know, mm-hmm. a, a multitude of experiences, meeting with lots of different people versus scurrying away your cash as an example at this age, mm-hmm. um, you know, if, if that's your approach. And, and and everyone has different goals. We, You know, that's that's obviously true. Some people do want to start a pub or, um, or, or join a band as those examples you mentioned. But I think for folks interested in joining a startup, maybe we can sort of round this out with – with just a few thoughts on mm. the the risk of startups um, mm. and how it kind of how it kind of plays into to this discussion we've been having, why you should get a startup job and be risky <laughs> at this age. Yeah, I mean, like just a, a couple of points of the serendipity. Um, I think it's clever to plan for maximizing um, serendipity. I think I think it's, it's excellent. Um, ironically, I was invited to do a um, a, a lecture um, for. Um, business school actually like with guys doing an MBA and they had a whole thing on serendipity actually so oh, really? um, they, they share some of the research and like I came in here to talk on that so we can geek out over serendipity another time but um, if I if I think about like just distilling that um, three-month part of the the, the MBA course um, <laughs> in business school like I'm, I'm going from memory here but like certainly the things that really stand out for me as to how to maximize serendipity relative to also like therefore increasing your risk right um because doing these things aren't in this maybe like neat siloed box you know within a linear path <clears throat> and so i think for me there's probably like three things i'll give you an acronym is it it's not acronym god that other episode we didn't look it up i have to f- figure it out we've got google in front of us now but um i would call it pep so you want to maximize your exposure to uh great people you want to maximize uh experiences and the variety of experiences uh have a guess what the last p is in my little pep your serendipity maximizer here tell us it's not not coming think, to me think uh think hurt locker ironically yeah. you actually want to maximize your pain um as well because uh that's where you're going to get your best learnings and your best growth from now clearly you're not going for pain right like you're going for the wins but in going after ambitious things taking on hard projects you're going to fail a lot uh, and it's going to hurt a lot and so, so I think now all you've of got that this increases the serendipity, yeah. So you've got this abbreviation, which is yeah. the word. Pep, um, yeah, people experiences pain. People experiences pain. Oh, I love that. Um, that's a pep talk, Mike. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I made that on the fly and the punt on the fly. That's great. That's great. Time for a pep talk. Maybe that's uh, the Hurt Locker T-shirt part two. Oh, um, that's good. That's great. So let's land this plane with now so talking about the startup job. Um, we've yeah. talked about why startups are risky, um, but what might a couple of sort of early opportunities for someone in startups look like if they're risky? Yeah. So look, I think there's probably two ways to think about it. So the, the approach that like, if you're an investor, 
um, wanting to, let's just say you're a private equity firm and we could define these terms uh, another time, but basically private equity in summary buy businesses uh, to then renovate them. So think of like someone who would buy a 500 grand property and then gut it and renovate it and spend 100 grand on it and then sell it for 800 grand, right? That's effectively what private equity does um, for businesses. Um, and so when private equity are going out and thinking about either segments to play in or businesses, just like if you were to figure out, okay, how would I find a good apartment to buy for 500 grand that I could spend 100 grand on or 50 grand on or just use my sweat? um to you know be able to get some upside okay so how, how do you how do you do that there's this concept of um tops down and bottoms up research right and so i actually think this is the same com it's the same approach that you should take to your own career right because you're wanting to maximize uh where you want to be in five years time right so in that apartment example or in that um, private equity example you want to maximize the upside of your effort um, in five years time and so to figure figure that out like to figure out what roles are and what what's the right things to spend the renovation effort on etc this is the tops down and the bottoms up stuff right um, now I won't go through how private equity do tops down and bottoms up but like in short it's um, tops down is like thinking about macro market like which markets are growing now okay age cares aging population okay this part is like shrinking you know they'll do a bunch of like you know, addressable market, like da, 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 like a bunch of like desktop research, looking at the whole thing, like, you know, 30,000 foot up down. And then there'll be a bunch yep. of bottoms up stuff, which will be, you know, interviews, pulling apart P&Ls of particular companies, um, you know, chained to a bunch of folks, da, 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 chained to customers, et cetera. And so I think from, a, from, from, from an early career point of view, um, I would say the bottoms up approach is starting right now. So what is it that you love doing what is it that you get energy from where do you think your strengths are um etc and we've done an episode on on, on finding your strengths etc and so i think yep. knowing that and knowing what it is that you can get passionate about by default means that when you're you know going in this serendipity of maximizing people experiences and pain you're going to be doing about stuff that you're you're passionate about now interestingly we've also done an episode on does it have to be in a sector that you're passionate about right so i was chatting with someone who uh was pretty passionate about environmental um you know a positive impact in the world and so got a job at you know companies that were doing pretty good stuff there but he was like actually like even though it was the space that i'm passionate about you know the culture was crap you know the people weren't that good actually didn't was and i, I I thought I'd be really passionate about this thing, but actually I'm not. And, you know, what he's realized is that actually working with the right people and the right company structure, what have you, even if it's, yeah, like for us, right, like we're doing stuff in healthcare, um, even if you're not particularly passionate about the, the, the thing, but when you do, when you, when the role that you're doing and you're in an experience and with other people, you can get insanely passionate about that, right? So the what do you love doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be the widget and doesn't have to be the industry, but I think what do you love, think about it more at a, at a task and a orientation of team environments um, that, that you really, really love. And so I think that's the bottoms up view. Like I would, I would spend a lot of time thinking about that. Like where have I worked really well with other people? What types of cultures, you know, when I'm in flow, like for two, three hours, like, you know, if I'm having some spare time and I'm all of a sudden, you know, looking something up or I'm mucking around, you know, with a, with a, with a product or a widget, what, what are the, what's the landscape of the things? Okay. Then you said that's, that's the first thing, right? Cause then you want to go, okay, that's going to draw me to probably my short-term view, right? So if you sort of think of one, uh, the three horizons, right? Like horizon one is, you know, the next six, 
to 18 months. You know, Horizon 2 may be 18 months to three years and Horizon 3 may be, you know, three year plus, right? So I think the bottoms up view really gives you a good way to think about um, how to optimize for Horizon 1 and maybe Horizon 2. I think the, um, the tops down view is then thinking dream state, you know, five years out, right? So this is like, what would be my dream job? What would be my dream kind of life, right? And this is where Brogues talked about um, Global Maxima, uh, episode three, I think, from memory. And it's okay if you're not clear on it, but I think really the question is like, how ambitious do you want to be? And what's broadly Northwest, right? Like you don't have to know the exact island that you're shooting for, but are we going Southeast or are we go- like, are we even just going North or South here, right? Um, and based on that, that should then input into what how 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 big a risky moves can you make and how do you maximize for this um pep serendipity that we spoke about and to use an example if someone wants to be an entrepreneur in five ten years time which we love right we did a whole thing on you know zipline mafia then you should be really purposeful about you're gonna have to figure out how to acquire customers um you're gonna have to figure out how to like do deals um or even if you're like hey i want to start a um non-for-profit one day in 10 years time that would be great right like even if you want to run a non-for-profit like you're gonna have to figure out how to do deals you're gonna have to figure out how to get sponsorship you're gonna have to figure out how to get alliances how to get partnerships and you're gonna have to totally convince people to join you're gonna have to have people to like take a pay cut to join your non-for-profit and that's all connecting with people and and, you know making deals happen right so it's like oh you need to have an exposure to sales and like custom orientated stuff and like marketing right and then okay if you're going to be in a world as an entrepreneur you're gonna have to create your own products and you have to create your own offerings and your own services and your value prop well then you need to understand how to do good value prop creation and good um, product creation and then to do that's really hard it's not just coming up with a good idea the idea is like 0.1 percent and it's like all the fucking hard execution you know and so you've got to figure out how to do that okay well then how do you do that you want to spend time with teams that are known to do that really well. Okay, make sure you get that experience. Okay, well, then you got to make sure you don't run out of cash and you got to figure out how to like, yeah, well, what's a fucking balance sheet? Like how do I, you know, manage cash flow and how do I, you know, come up with a, a, a lean fin model? Um, okay, so you're going to have to get exposure to that sort of stuff. I could go on and on, but being really thoughtful, okay, tops down, like for me to collect all these types of things together with what I love right now, like with that sort of one to horizon one and two, that sort of gives you a bit of a rough, I think a rough sketched out map. And it's fine if you don't do it in perfect order, right? If you're kind of like, actually, do you know what? I'm just going to throw my, you know, th- throw my, uh, throw my hat in the wind and I'm going to go get the sales job, even though I've been doing this like finance thing for a while. Um, and screw it. Like the thing is you, like you could go, I'm going to give this a go for one year. This is the, this is the beauty, like going back to the risk, right? Uh, in, in, in two years, I would just think of everything as one year bets. So when Annie and I made moves, I was like, let's go, to, let's go, let's move to Sydney. Um, and we're in our early twenties, didn't know anyone, blah, blah, blah. We're like, let's give it a go. Let's, but let's make it a one year thing. Right. And then we had the opportunity to go to Singapore. Let's give it one year. Like if we hated it at month six, like there's, there's no whining, there's no complaining about it. Cause we made a one year bet. And so it's the same sort of thing. You go, Do you know what? I reckon, I don't know whether I'd like sales. I don't know whether I'd like, um, customer engagement. I don't know whether I'd like, you know, this thing. I could see that it'd be potentially be valuable in my skill set to be able to know how to do those things, particularly if I want to be, you know, an entrepreneur one day. Like, screw it. I'm gonna give it a go and then commit to one year. Worst case you hate it, you don't, you know, you don't love it, you don't get energy, you're no good at it. The thing that most people think is that they've lost that one year. They feel that they've gone backwards or that they would have been a year ahead had they not done it. And that's the risk 
that prevents people from making those decisions. And they also think that, oh, it's going to look bad on my CV, right? Like I was an accountant, you know, I was doing risk and auditing at PwC for two, three years. And all of a sudden I got a a sales job at a like startup and that was random. And I did that for a year. And then I decided actually, no, I want to get into FP&A, finance and planning. And so then I got a finance and planning role within a startup. And then like I went, no one's ever going to go like, the stuff that you're going to learn in that one year of sales, like, man, it's going to help you like stakeholder management internally. It's going to help you like, you know, communicate your budgets, you know, better. Like there, there is no lost, there is no, there's nothing lost in that one year. Like it's, it's, it's all in, in people's heads that they think, oh, I've lost a year of like career trajectory or momentum, um, providing we're optimizing you know, for the right things. And just because I've got the the ramble stick here, I'll, I'll kind of finish on my quote and then I'll uh, uh, let you uh, synthesize some of this, Kai. Like, you know, I think that the, the biggest mistake that I see people make other than this tops down, bottoms up uh, way of thinking about career strategy is that people optimize way, way, way too much for the title and for money early on. Um and to be honest, whether you get paid two grand more or five grand more, like when you're early on, like just isn't going to move the needle um, in comparison to you getting 510x the experience and 510x the serendipity. And the money can always look after itself. Like certainly as you perform well, like you you can quickly make up for that, you know, relative to that other offer that you got. So I, I certainly wouldn't maximize for offer um, and small amount of money. Don't get me wrong. Like if someone's offering you, you know, 50% more, okay. <laughs> if you think you're going to be good at it and you like it, um, sure. But the, the thing that people don't optimize for is working with the right people and working in the right business. And you'll learn more and you'll develop more by getting into the right uh, people and business, which is that sort of collection of that that kind of word culture. And, you know, Charlie Munger says this well, you know, in this um, – this go for great um, quote that I've written down. I'll just finish reading this out, which is great people are rare. Great businesses are rare. So therefore uh, great businesses with great people um, are rare and they produce fewer problems and do great things. So your mission in life is to get into a great business and stay there and build those relationships with those great people and doing that will prevent the majority of the problems under your control. Go for great. And I think that's a really, really good rubric, um, uh, certainly as a, as a layer over this tops down, bottoms up. You know, if I think of where I've learned the most, it was working with outstanding people. Like I'm talking like elite performers at what they're good at and working in great teams and like great companies. Um, now, I learned some stuff of what not to do in, you know, shitty ass ran organizations with a bunch of, you know, B grade players mixed with D grade players mixed with the odd A and then they're all fumbling over stuff and there's no culture of accountability and they're not really doing any good stuff and, you know, Jimmy's whining about that and, you know, Sally's, you know, whinging about this and like you learn what's not great from that but you don't want to spend a lot of time in that kind of world. I think it's it, you painted a, a good picture of why sometimes I think just being risky is – uh, and unlock because it's often being contrarian, right? In a way, mm. too. It's like it's it's kind of like often most people. This is the path most people aren't willing to travel. Um, most people are wanting to have the the career that's congruent on LinkedIn. Um, yes, you know, and the one that that makes sense. Um, I actually think it's a great thing to do to optimize for not making sense um, <laughs> on a on a on a public view. Like if you had to pick one or the other, um, I, and I'm gonna 
I'm going to round this out on on my side with a quote which I really love, um, which which I think sums up well the magic of of being risky, particularly when you're young. If you follow the crowd, you will likely get no further than the crowd. If you walk alone, you will likely be in a place no one has ever been before. And I think that's the magic of combining lots of different experiences at this age and building out that T shape, mm. um, layering lots of different experiences onto one and the other, not taking that linear ladder as you talk about. Um, and I think really it's just, hey, startups are a great place to do that. Um, totally. And I like I would just finish, if you've got an inkling feeling or if your gut's like, I'm really just not enjoying where I am now, I, th- I think I should make one of these crazy moves. I would like this podcast to be the episode where you go, fuck it. Fuck I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. Like, let's let's like give this a go. And worst case, it's one year, right? Call it a one-year experiment. The the downside of what you lose, like even if there was a downside, like I would I would encourage you to go through the fear setting process that um, mm. Tim Ferriss talks really well about. Like, just define the fear that you're worried about. Um, there's there's a whole kind of process around it, which we'll go through another day. But yes, it's scary. But if there is your intuition is saying, I'm kind of just I'm just going down this path, doing my thing because this is what I think is right and this is kind of what you do, but your heart is elsewhere and you want to kind of bust things up like we just talked about here, now's the time to do it. Hey friend, thanks for listening to today's episode of Startup Jobs. This episode was made in collaboration with our friends at Early Work Academy, Australia's only tech sales bootcamp with a job guarantee. Applications are currently open for the next cohort. All the details are in the show notes. And finally, if something resonated with you in today's episode, we're posting episodes like this every week, including CEO memos straight from Michael. The best way to get those episodes on the day is by hitting the follow button on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We'll see you next time.